Welcome to another edition of Outside the Huddle with DJ2. Here's your host, Dennis Jarvis II. Good evening, boys and girls, college football fans, north, south, east, and west, and all points in between. This is your intrepid host, Dennis Jarvis II. And on tonight's podcast, we're going to be talking about huge implications for college sports post-COVID-19. Is Tavon Austin actually the best college football highlight reel in the last 20 years? And a couple of other items that we're going to get to, and a little this and a little that. Look forward to hosting you on the next Outside the Huddle with DJ2. We'll be right back. Talking college football and a whole lot more. It's Outside the Huddle with DJ2. Well, we're back. We're discussing tonight. I'm going to have a couple of segments devoted to COVID-19's effect on college athletics. I wish this was a bad episode of The Twilight Zone. I wish this was uh, one of those new shows on Netflix where we could pick the ending from their uh, Mirror Mirror or Black Mirror episode. But I uh, read an article this week from Mark Schallenbach from ESPN. University of Cincinnati's dropping their men's soccer program amid, quote, widespread uncertainty. Uh, you know, it's really odd Men's soccer at the University of Cincinnati, the Bearcats, been played continual since 1973. In this article, uh, there's a quote from the athletic director, John Cunningham. This is what he says verbatim. This was a difficult decision, but one made with the long-term interest of UC athletics at the forefront. During this time of profound challenges and widespread uncertainty, I've engaged in a comprehensive and thorough review of UC sport offerings and long-term budget implications of supporting the number of student athletes currently at the University of Cincinnati. Based upon this review and in consultation with President Neville, uh, Patino, and other university leaders, UC Athletics will no longer sponsor a men's soccer program. And that's effective fall of 2020. Um, you know, it's a hard time for everybody, and I, I just genuinely can't understand how this little shift, and I say it's a shift, it's a pivot, how this is going to have such huge ramifications on collegiate athletics budgets moving forward that they had to have some changes. And, uh, you know, this is a fairly – tradition-rich program at UC. They've reached the NCAA tournament in 2003 and 2006, but finally campaigned that they went 5-11-1 in 2019. Uh, 
the longtime head coach Hilton Days resigned in March after 19 seasons with the at 19 seasons with the school. Uh, looks like they're going to honor uh, the scholarships for those who want to stay at the University of Cincinnati. They're also going to allow all the student athletes who uh, in the program who want to transfer uh, to another school, even if it's in the AAC or wherever at whatever level, they're not going to hold any penalty against them. And I think the NCAA is going to honor that as well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's uh, uh, before this, Cincinnati had offered 19, 19 uh, sports uh, overall at the college. And this is an interesting aspect. In 2019, according to the most recent NCAA finance report, Cincinnati spent about $68.8 million on athletics. About 43% of that money came from direct institutional support, such as, example, student fees, tuition, tuition waivers, and endowments not earmarked specifically for athletics. According to the report, the men's soccer program had operating losses totaling $726,498. So, guys and gals, this is going to be a frequent story. You're going to see this periodically in and out of the podcast tonight, too, because we're going to talk about these implications and how of COVID, the implications, could we see an expansion of the uh, playoff, the CFP? Uh, how it affects a small college out in the Pacific, uh, the uh, Southwest, rather, and that is the University of Nevada, not the University of Nevada, the University of the Mexi- New Mexico, Los Lobos. And uh, we're going to have some fun, too. We're going to talk about is Saquon, Saquon Barkley says, Tavon Austin is the greatest highlight, uh, college highlight film material in the last 20 years in college football. And you never know, we might throw a couple of other things in here as well. Sit right there. We'll be back in the shake of stick. Talking college football and a whole lot more. It's Outside the Huddle with DJ2. So, you've been sitting around reading. What have you been doing during this COVID pandemic? You're not watching NASCAR. not watching professional baseball. Probably got tired of watching Netflix. I myself, I've watched... Uh, the third season of uh, the Ozarks, I watched an episode, uh, a, a new series on uh, on Amazon Prime called Zero 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 about the global uh, drug trade. It was kind of interesting. Started reading a couple of books, but I also got back into the podcast. And something really interesting here, uh, everybody knows the name Saquon Barkley. I've had him on my fantasy league the last two years. Didn't help me get out of last place, uh, especially this season when he was sidelined with that knee injury for the about six weeks. But uh, this week, uh, Tavon Austin came up, and this is what our buddy Saquon Barkley says. On his Twitter account, he says, college highlight tape going back from 2005 to his top five overall. He thinks Tavon Austin's number one, Reggie Bush is number two, Johnny Football, Johnny Football, also Johnny Manziel, also known as Johnny Manziel, the highlight reel himself from uh, Texas A&M, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, and and I don't know who this other gentleman is, so we won't talk about him. But um, 
This is what uh, Tavon Austin said about him. He, I mean, what Saquon Barkley said about Tavon Austin. The man was a human highlight reel. Uh, Austin, uh, and, and you know, I, I got to watch Tavon Austin play in person at West Virginia University. Uh, he was on all three facets of the uh, field. Kickoff and punt returns periodically. Uh, he came out of the backfield uh, as a slot receiver. And he'd run the daggum ball too. When he was at WVU, he finished his uh, – Career with 288 receptions for 3,413 yards and 29 touchdowns. Um, you know, he set a, a NCAA record against Oklahoma. He had uh, the most yards from scrimmage for any player at the time, and I don't think he'll ever, uh, be, ever be equaled. It was over 600 total yards. That was in punt return, kickoff return. Uh, that was also against uh, – uh, uh, Running, uh, running the ball and receiving. Uh, go back a few years, 2010. He touched the ball not once but twice on kickoff return. Returned them both for touchdowns against the Marshall Thunder and Herd. Uh, the last time he got one, uh, they called the game after that because there was the second lightning delay that had happened. But as soon as he touched the ball, quack, the lightning strike strike came down. Now, it's kind of interesting that, that he's compared with people like Reggie Bush, Johnny Football, Lamar Jackson, and Cam Newton. Uh, what's really sad is everybody in that top five, uh, with, with one lone exception, himself, was not considered a Heisman finalist. If uh, he had been anywhere else, if Tavon had been at Texas A&M, Florida State, Notre Dame, uh, even a lesser school like Boise State or Central Florida – the ESPN ABC conglomerate would have allowed him to be a Heisman Trophy finalist, and they would have promoted it themselves. For some reason, when you've got an athlete at WVU, they're just not there. They're just not considered. Even at my uh, my alma mater, Marshall University, uh, in the last twenty years, Marshall has had three Heisman finalists. That's in this order: Randy Moss, Chad Pennington, and Byron Lethwich. WVU has had one, one, and that would have been Major Harris in the fall of 89. Uh, Gino, uh, uh, Gino Smith had better numbers than Lamar Jackson, had better numbers than uh, RG3, and in the same point in his career against both of those individuals statistically, a 7-5 campaign and a weak coach in Dana Holgerson didn't allow him to even uh, be considered in the Heisman talk. So uh, I think this is kind of interesting. As someone with the talent and the breadth uh, of experience that someone like Saquon Barkley has says that the best talented college football player he's seen since 2005 is Tavon Austin. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, Tavon was with the uh, St. Louis Rams, my adopted team, now that they went back to Los Angeles. but. Uh, he is at the uh, Dallas Cowboys now, and you see his talent diminished, not utilized. His talent's not diminished, but his just utilization has uh, been diminished over a period of time. Not real understanding why. So when we come back, uh, we're going to do two episodes in the next two days. I'm going to talk real shortly about one other aspect, the top 25 quarterbacks returning for 2000. 20, if we have a football season, we'll devote about a half hour, 45 minutes tomorrow to those subject matters of COVID 
and this looming dark cloud is coming over the college football scene and athletics overall. We'll be right back in the Shake the Stick. You're listening to a different podcast, Outside the Huddle with DJ2. Welcome back there, guys. We're discussing a little bit of uh, college top 25 quarterbacks returning. And uh, I thought it was kind of interesting to put you dropped the bomb on me because that's what some of these uh, wonderful, wonderful quarterbacks have been doing the last year. And there's the top 25 listed according to some herald of – College Athletics, who knows a little bit more than I do, and pardon all that Alexa noise back there. But um, this Sunday was a great article, and it was highlighting the top 25 quarterbacks returning. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I'll go over these real quickly here, and we'll get some highlights on the top 25. Now, this was an article by Brad Crawford, and he's projecting the top 25 quarterbacks for the class coming back. Um, he starts out with Miles Brennan from LSU, the defending national champions, Adrian Martinez from Nebraska, uh, Doug Dylan Gabriel from Central Florida is in at 23, Michael Penix Jr. comes in at 22nd from Indiana, Charlie Brewer from Baylor, 21, Matt Jones at 20 with the University of Alabama, then in at 19's number, Davis Mills from Stanford, Jamie Newman from Georgia at 18, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, 17, Brad White at Memphis, who's going to have a brand-new head coach, Spencer Sanders, the Rattler himself at uh, Oklahoma State, and that's not who that is. But anyway, we'll keep going on and ignore my cat because she's in a meowing mood tonight. Uh, we've got uh, – Kyle Trask from Florida. Spencer Rattler. This is number 12. What a name. Spencer Rattler. If you watch QB1 under the lights, you know that kid's a punk. Uh, I don't care what he does. He had some great prolific numbers there last year. Uh, zero starts, 7 of 11 for 81 yards and one touchdown. I do not like him. He did some off-the-field things for his high school. Uh, cost him a state championship. He didn't get to play. Pretty much, uh, to me, is a one of those millennials that thinks the world revolves around him, and he deserves everything. Number 11, Decret King from the University of Miami. Such a great place. They pay you to go there. Let's get in the top 10. We'll start talking about some of these guys. Shane Bussell from SMU. Uh, last year, he was uh, seven, 710, uh, 710 yards. Uh, 62% completing rate. Let's see. No, I'm, I'm reading this wrong. He had 710 yards on the ground, 8,565 yards, uh, had a total of 26, 64 touchdowns and 26 interceptions. Brock Purdy from Iowa State. Now, this is, a, this is an up-and-comer. 
This guy is pretty daggum good. For his whole career, he's 458 out of 695, a 65.9% pass completion. It's three for 6,232 yards, 43 touchdowns against 16 interceptions, 557 yards on the ground, and 13 TDs. Uh, head coach out there for those uh, Cyclones is Matt Campbell, and he knows a quarterback when he sees one. Uh, I got to watch this kid play a couple of times. He's a real deal. I really like him a lot. Number eight is Ian Brooke from Notre Dame. Uh, he's got career totals 500 out of 788 passes, 6,118 yards against 15, uh, 57 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. On the ground, he's got 1,032 yards and eight touchdowns. If he was anywhere else, that'd be called mediocre. But since he goes to Notre Dame and he's coached by the great Quisotic, know-it-all, Brian Kelly, which I do not like. He's considered to be a top-ten contender. Now, here's a really good guy, Tanner Morgan, returning from Minnesota. He's 299 out of 470, 464, uh, 4,654 4, yards of passing against 39 touchdowns and 13 INTs. Uh, I do not like his coach. Uh, I'm not a P.J. Fleck fan at all. Uh, he's a hack. He's a kind of a Valvildian act to me. He's comparable to a Dana Holgerson and a former head coach, Rich Rodriguez at West Virginia University. Just do not like this kid at all. Uh, here we come in the top six. Kendon Slovis from the University of Southern California. He uh, last year was 282 out of 392 passes, a 71.9% completion rate, 3,500 yards plus passing, 30 touchdowns against nine interceptions. Now here comes my personal favorite in at number five, Jaden Daniels from Arizona State, home of the uh, Sun Devils. Um, I really believe that uh, Jaden Daniels might be a Heisman-type quarterback. His coach, Herm Edwards, he has this to say. He has something really fantastic to say about him. Uh, coach Edwards said, I told him, I'm going to build this around you now. You've earned my trust. You've got to get some guys that can help us on the perimeter as well as the backfield. And I think we've got to shore up the offensive line for you. But what Herm Edwards is saying is he thinks this is a guy he can build his whole offense around. And uh, you wait and see. If and when we play college football next fall, uh, you'll see Jaden Daniels on a lot of highlight reels, and he'll be in the Heisman talk. We're just going to run through these rather quickly. Sam Howe at the University of Noncompliance, also known as UNC, as a freshman last year for Matt Brown, this, this tall, big guy, gangly as he is, was 259 of 422 with a 61.4% pass completion rate. He had 3,641 yards passing with 38 touchdowns and seven interceptions. But ask him, ask him how he liked playing the Appalachian State Mountaineers in Keenan Stadium when Big Moochie goes and does the sack, scoop, and score to put the Mountaineers ahead for good in the second quarter. Uh, Sam Howell is... Uh, an ACC media darling, ESPN, and the ABC hybrid love this kid. Here's what I think about him. 
you bang him, you hit him, you knock him in the head, you rattle him in his face mask, you rattle the cage, you knock the ball away, Sam Howell will cringe and quiver away like a babe in the woods. You heard it here first. He's not my favorite person. Uh, we're not going to talk about this schmuck at number three, Sam Ellinger from Texas. I don't care. Let's get to the top two. Sunshine himself, Trevor Lawrence, his career numbers in three years, 527 of 800, uh, out of 804 attempts, 65.5% completion rate, 6,945 yards with 66 touchdowns against 12 interceptions, 740 yards rushing and 10 TDs. This is the pick for Dabu Sweeney. This young man's already won one thing, won a national championship. He's only lost one game in his entire career, and that was against those daggum Crimson Tide. Oh, not Crimson Tide. Uh, my God, I sound like an idiot. It was against the uh, LSU Bayou Bengals. How about them Tigers in there? So anyway, I messed that one up, but I'm big on Trevor Lawrence. Right now, the hashtag is Tank for Trevor with the Carolina Panthers and the new well-balanced attack with the uh, former OC from LSU as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach and Matt Rule from um, from uh, Baylor. But the number one returning quarterback for all season of 2020 will be no other than Justice Field, Justin Fields from your O-H-I-O, Ohio State Buckeyes. Career numbers for this guy is 265 out of 393 attempts for 67.4% pass completion rating, 3,601 yards passing, 45 touchdowns against three interceptions, 750 yards rushing and 14 touchdowns. This guy is lethal. This guy is a two-way threat. He's smart. He's compassionate. He has a he's a field general mentality. It's just unfortunate for him it didn't work out at his number one school of choice. The SEC East, how about them Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart? Uh, it didn't really work out for him there. He got called a bad word uh, by a player, baseball player, uh, and he declared a hardship rule and entered the, the transfer portal and was allowed to go to Ohio State. Uh, it was one of those big top free agent picks. And, uh, you know, came up a little short last year. Ran the table, uh, went to a playoff game against the Clemson Tigers. And Todd Day lost his first game as a coach. But I just don't think uh, Ohio State can figure out how to beat uh, Clemson. I just do not think it can happen. So there's your top 25 quarterbacks outlined with a little – uh, humor and tug and cheek in there, but I concur with this young man who wrote this article. Justin Fields is daggummit the best returning quarterback, and I do believe when we play college football this fall, he'll be the number one pick overall. I'll come back and highlight uh, uh, the next podcast we're going to do tomorrow evening, and uh, just some more tidbits, and we'll be right back in the shake of stick. Hey, before we go, uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, two segments. We're going to come back and we're we'll talk about the potential for uh, there to be expansion of the CFP because of COVID-19. We're going to look at uh, some implications COVID-19 is having on the athletic programs at the University of New Mexico. 
And we're also going to highlight uh, some things that the G5 uh, presidents and athletic directors have lobbied with the NCAA uh, because of costs. I'm telling you, uh, this is becoming a new hot topic for me. I like sharing it with people. This is going to change impactfully. College sports as we know it, it's not going to be the same. The conferences are not going to look the same. The conference names aren't going to be the same. The bowl games aren't going to be the same. The way we watch college football, basketball, and other sports is also going to change. Uh, I'm, I'm not real optimistic about what that means. Uh, I don't understand why this uh, knee-jerk reaction and unfortunate circumstances has to come down upon all of college athletics because of this. So um, I'm going to keep reading, keep learning, and we'll keep sharing that with you. But when we break a huddle, we say, win on me, win on three. Go hug somebody, go love somebody, and enjoy yourself because these are some uncertain times. And I just love sharing my thoughts with you about college football. NASCAR and everything else between. This has been Outside the Huddle with DJ2. tuning in to another edition of outside the huddle with dj2 please like comment and follow on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts